G'day everyone and welcome to our latest episode of the Glory Days podcast. Today's episode takes us back to the year of 1970, where we look at Holbrook's Farrah Football League Premiership. A massive thank you to our sponsor, The Holbrook Bakery, who were in 1970 and still are today a wonderful sponsor of the Holbrook Football and Netball Club. Magnificent effort by Corny. Head and shoulders above the pack. Didn't take the mark, but the effort itself was worthy of it. Corny's a great player and a great skipper. Under a lot of pressure from Kaplan. In comes Winkler. Handballs a long one over towards Johnson in the half forward line. Out comes Lenny Jenkins. Drives in towards the centre of the ground and Murray, the little rover for Holbrook. Mark safely midway between centre bounds and centre half forward. G'day there, Brooker people. I'm Robbie McKinlay, and I hope you enjoyed that snapshot of what is to come on a historical look back at one of the Holbrook Football Club's greatest moments, the 1970 Borough Football League Premiership. Coming up is a look back at the entire season, from pre-season dramas to the final siren on grand final day. Included is interviews with Captain Coach John Cornish, Vice Captain Bertie Haynes, original audio highlights and action from Bert Smith's commentary of the game. Sit back, enjoy, Take yourself back to a time when the green and golds were ready to shine. Off hands it goes to Browning White. He puts it back down Pearls. A good mark taken in defence by Warren Black. Ellis as it is, stands up with the ball, ducks out of a tackle, gets it down towards the forward pocket. Good hand ball by Big Haynes over to Dennis Lees and he's put it through for full point. Well, there it is, the super victory from the Holbrook side as Lees has kicked their 17 goal. 17, 12, 114 to Collins Alley, 9. The 1970 Farrah Football League turned into a season to be celebrated, with the Brookers winning its 15th senior premiership and its first since the 1964 triumph. But it was not all plain sailing for the Green and Golds, with the late resignation of high-profile coach Kevin Smith throwing its pre-season into turmoil. Smith had cited business and a bad back injury for his decision to pull the pin with just eight weeks before the start of the 1970 season. President at the time, Tom Jones, and the committee declared it a serious situation and immediately called for applications to fill the role. The search for a new coach ended when the committee appointed John Cornish as playing coach. Cornish had been at Holbrook for seven years and had starred in the 1964 Premiership. He had previously coached Grong Grong Matong in the Southwest Football League and was highly regarded as one of the best current players in the Farrah League. In an interesting twist, Kevin Smith returned to his club Myrtleford and went on to play in what is still the Saints' only senior Ovens and Murray Premiership. Smith spent three seasons at Richmond, playing 47 matches between 1964 and 1966. His brother Jack, who later became a life member of Holbrook, played in the Brookers' 1964 Premiership. John Cornish explains how he got the job to coach Holbrook. Your appointed as coach was obviously when Kevin Smith pulled out, so when did you get an inkling they might have been keen on you? Well, apparently, according to my wife, anyway, they had a, a special committee meeting and Dan King stood up and said, well, why look elsewhere? We've got uh, got as good as you'd get anywhere already in our club. So they came out and offered me the position, to be honest with you. That's how that happened. Hey, John, what sort of money was around in those days for a coach? Oh, look, I, I tried to remember and I, I honestly can't. I, I might have been... 120 bucks a week or 80 bucks a week. I've really forgotten, but it was it was quite a substantial amount anyway. And of course, we weren't we weren't overly 
overly well off, so it was yeah. quite handy. But uh, anyway, and then, uh, well, that's how it happened, I believe, and um, and one thing led to another and off we went. But um, I thought, well, you know, we were an up-and-coming side. We'd done pretty well the year before, and, and Rick Feldman had coached us that previous year, and he developed pretty good uh, team and club spirit within, you know, amongst the boys, and I thought it was a good feel. Why not? So that's how we've, <clears throat> that's how that happened. So. Yeah. And I didn't realise, but you went to school with Charlie Griffith. Is that how you got him to come over to Holbrook from Henton? Well, you're right. He was an old schoolmate of mine, and, and they'd bought, he played with Henty for, for years and years, and they bought a property uh, halfway between Holbrook and, and Wagga. Anyway, I knew he was sort of closer to us than he was to Henty, and I put a bit of pressure on him, and to cut the story short, he came and played with us, which is a... A good pick-up because yeah. he toughened us up a bit. He was a very tough footballer. He also he won the best and fairest that year um, and did skite about not having trained very often when I was insisting that everybody <laughs> trained. But how <however. laughs> And it was so Tuesday and Thursday night, John, training? Yeah, it was. I kept telling the boys, the more you put into this game, the more you get out of it. And I think they've, you know, they got quite keen trainers, actually, so... Tried to vary training a bit and make it interesting, which I think happened. And uh, and sort of one thing led to another. I was pretty keen on the handball side of things. I, I don't know where I got that idea from, but I I felt that uh, the future of Australian rules was handball and getting it up there quickly. And it took us a while to get it going. Uh, a lot of blokes weren't too happy handballing that, uh, you know, with... <laughs> Nearly playing in the days where you'd uh, take a mark, go back, pull your socks up and do a big drop kick as far as you could. Yep. Uh, but uh, we we altered that a little bit and perhaps Holbrook were a wee bit ahead of the rest of the league as far as that was concerned. Perhaps obvious uh, by the games to start with, we struggled a bit and then as the season went on, we seemed to be winning more and more easily. So that... Uh, style of footy match plan if you like to call it that was working I think Holbrook got a taste of finals action in 1969 finishing fourth after the home and away season before going down narrowly to Colin Gully in the first semi-final at Euron Creek in a high standard and thrilling encounter the Gully prevailed 17-15-117 to Holbrook 16-10-106 Colin Gully went on to win the 1969 premiership History has a way of repeating, and who would have thought some 55 weeks later these two teams would play off in the 1970 decider, again at Euron Creek. Let's see how it all panned out. The season opener for Holbrook was a beauty, with old rivals Colcan making the 18-mile trip across the Billabong to form a huge crowd. The Holbrook notes and the crier reflected on the tumultuous start to the season, but the appointment of John Cornish had endangered a new zest amongst players and committee. Membership for the 1970 season was $1.50 and the Grasshoppers had played Osmond in its final practice match in front of a large gate at Holbrook. In a typical clash of the traditional rivals, it was Holbrook who won a thriller by just three points in an at times spiteful encounter. A five-goal last quarter burst almost got Colcan home, but the brilliance of Cornish, Peter Waite and Les Muller ensured Holbrook got the points and a winning start to the season. Holbrook maintained its unbeaten start to the season with away wins against Tamora by 29 points and an easy 56-point win at Lockhart. 
A home game against fierce rivals MCU on the first Saturday in May proved to be Holbrook's first loss, with the Goannas storming home in the last quarter. Leading by two goals at three-quarter time, Holbrook were overrun by Mango, who kicked eight goals in the final term to win 16-17-113 to 13-13-91. The Grasshoppers got back on track in rounds five and six with solid wins over Wagga, 22 points, and Henty, 48 points, respectively, with the Tigers' win, in particular, a very bruising encounter. Next up, a replay of that epic 1969 first semi-final encounter against Collingully with Holbrook nicely placed with five wins and a loss a third of the way through the season. To say Holbrook got a football lesson would be an understatement, with the grasshoppers' percentage and premiership hopes being severely tarnished. The defending premiers turned on a scintillating display of football, belting an undermanned Holbrook by 15 goals, with gunful forward Kenny Morrow booting 13 of them. John Cornish explains the Collingully thrashing was a combination of a few things. I think it was round seven, you went over to Collingully, who had won it the previous year, and you got beaten by 15 gold. So what was it? I, I, I'm reading just reading between the lines, there might have been a few injuries, but um, that, was, that was a big loss. Yeah, well, I, was, <laughs> I see in your notes the Wagga picnics may have had a bit to do with it. <laughs> I, I'm... I'm I'm not sure how much they did. There may have been two or three blokes went to them, but really and truly, Colin Gully ground was unique. It was a, it was bare red dirt, and uh, in the summer the ball, or the earlier the se- early in the season, the ball bounced completely differently to what we were used to, and we just couldn't handle it. Yeah. And uh, I really do blame 90% of that on their home ground advantage. Um, on another occasion, we were playing Colin Gully and it was wet, and the ground was absolutely just bare red mud, <laughs> and uh, we couldn't stand up. We were slipping and sliding, and Colin Gully were running around like it was a dry day. Yeah. Then old Dan King went over to their huddle at quarter time, and uh, or half time, whenever it was, and he came back and said, they've pulled every second, you know, the two stops in the middle of their boots out, so the mud's not building up on their boots like it was with ours. So we go. all had to race in, and instead of having six stops under <laughs> under our foot, we went back to four, and we started to, the mud had fall off, and we played okay after that. <laughs> but it was a very unique ground to play on, and I do blame the, perhaps not so much the uh, yeah. Wagga picnics as perhaps <laughs> their, their home ground advantage there. Holbrook finished the first half of the season with a win over the Rocky on Creek in round eight and a narrow five-point loss to North Wagga. Never easy to win at North Wagga, both sides turned on a brilliant display of football with the Saints prevailing 106 to 101. In an incredibly even season of Farrell League, Holbrook found themselves in fourth position on the ladder with a six-win, three-loss ratio at the halfway mark. North Wagga, they were on top while Mango, with just two losses, were in second place, with Collingully in third, the same wins as Holbrook, but a slightly better percentage. Kenny Morrow was a clear leader in the goal kicking with 63 goals. John Cornish and Harry Winkler with 18 goals were the Grasshoppers' leading goal kickers. In reserve grade, Holbrook were in fourth place with a five-win, four-loss ratio. Peter Lees with 12 goals was their top goal kicker. Club football took a week off as Farrah Football League regained the Neville Nesbitt Trophy with a superb win over Southwest in both first and seconds at Euron Creek. 
In representative football at its best, Farrah won 19-21-135 to Southwest 16-16-112. Farrah also won the seconds by eight points. The second half of the 1970 season started well for Holbrook, defeating old rivals Colcam by 25 points at Colcan and all but ending the Lions' finals hopes. A 52-point thrashing of Tamora in round 11 was followed up by the Brookers' biggest swing in the season, hammering Lockhart by 130 points at Holbrook. Next up, it was a trip to Mangapla to take on MCU, who had won 10 straight matches and were on top of the ladder equal with North Wagga. A great rivalry existed between Holbrook and MCU, as Bertie Haynes explains. Robbie, that goes right back to when uh, Kevin Beasley and John O'Warns and all those played, you know, and because I think Cookie Dooney was so close to Holbrook. Yeah. And I know a lot of the Harlems, they wouldn't even come and shop in Holbrook. That's how, <laughs> <laughs> how that fair dinkum. Really? Uh, that's right. Yeah. And of course, the Mars, yeah, they were. Old Roy, old Roy especially. You might have run across old Roy, Kimmy's, Kimmy and what's her name's father. Yep. Good bloke, but oh yeah, they they hated Holbrook. I sort of we were a bit the same, I suppose. Yeah. No, that, that just grew over the over the early years, I think. Yep. Because you know, with the four sides in the L A and D, I think it was you know I think Carlton, you know, all a bit the same sort of thing. Yeah. And um, I think two early days that. Uh, John Cornish, yeah. uh, MCU, Mango might have tried to recruit him. Yeah, well, they, well, I don't know the full story, but the story went that Mango were after him, and I think when he, he drew a soldier settlement block out at Clifton Estate, and I know Mango, I heard that Mango wanted him to go out there, but old Jim McCoy was president at the time, and I think he went out and did a bit of fencing, and it was a pretty basic sort of bit of land that he drew, and they did a, a lot of fencing, and I think he gave him even a couple of balls and all that type of thing. Anyway, he ended up at Holbrook, which was great. John Cornish explains that he almost became an MCU player until a few of the Holbrook heavy hitters stepped in. Mango uh, was always a great rivalry. Um, I spoke to Bertie Haynes about it, but just your thoughts on the rivalry of Mango? It was, um, it was always pretty fierce, wasn't it? Well, I used to enjoy beating Manga and playing against them, but more so to beat, beating them. They, uh, I think I've told most people, and most people are pretty aware of it, that uh, I very, very nearly went to play football at Manga when I moved across from Miranda and Grongrong, and I didn't even realise where Holbrook was wow. for a start. And then I was so close to going to Manga it didn't matter, but. Uh, uh, thank goodness Dan King and Merv Priest and I, I think um, came out and saw me and said at least before you go to Mangaplar come in and see what what's what at Holbrook but yep. thank goodness I did and uh, and I played there but of course the Mangaplar supporters and players weren't all that happy with me after <laughs> after doing a lot of running around and offering and trying to help me so uh, yep. I, I can remember one story. Every time we played manga player, it was about six or eight fellas used to stand in a group and they'd abuse hell out of me. And uh, I'd had enough this diet, and it uh, was that uh, that season. And uh, I said to Norm Haynes at halftime, Norm, would you please go over under that scoreboard and see who these six or eight fellas are? And I said I'll have a little chat to them after the game and try and put a stop to this abuse. So three-quarter time, we were gathering in the huddle and uh, Norm walked out and I went, went across to him before I spoke to the boys. How did you? I said, how did you go, Norm? He said, John, 
I did as you asked, but he said, there's too bloody many. They're all round the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't just isolated. So anyway, I always got great pleasure in beating Manga Plum. Yeah. I remember another occasion when I came back up when Kevin Rowe was coaching and we, I had great pleasure. We picked, kicked about 19-3 to about the whatever and beat them. It was it was good. And a bit the same with the cricket too. We, yes. <laughs> we yeah. We had great rivalry, actually, between Mangaplow and Holbrook. Yeah, and even today, even today, I believe Mac has got a a grandson playing for Mangaplow. He said, "I go and watch them," but he said, "I can't bring myself to barrack for them." <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. And of course, ironically, uh, John, it was Mango who Holbrook beat in the second semi-final. You finished with a week off in the first week, and then, but it, it wasn't looking like that uh, at three-quarter time. The, the Brookers were well down. No, well, this is really what won us the premiership, the fact that we were good enough to come back and kick a few goals to their nothing in the last quarter and run over them. So uh, I think they're, they're a bit wounded when they went into their preliminary final and, uh, and were beaten, I think, reasonably easily. So I think that was really where we won our premiership. A brilliant first half led by George Hill, Bertie Haynes, Steve Bunyan and Warren Black set up the 31-point win and climbed to the top of the ladder by percentage. Holbrook had jumped from third to top following the win. A shock loss by North Wagga to Henty made it the freeway tie at the top with the Grasshoppers' percentage leading the way. Holbrook were hitting their straps and for the first time all season had emerged as a genuine premiership chance. The Wagga Tigers were next to feel the wrath of Holbrook, getting belted by 72 points with Harry Winkler and Johnny Semler amongst the best in another fiery contest. A danger game away to Henny proved just that, with the home side kicking the first four goals of the game before Bertie Haynes and Charlie Griffith assisted to get Holbrook home by just 11 points. Three home and away matches left, with Holbrook just ahead of MCU on percentage and playing Colin Gully, who were just one game behind, but with a better percentage. The clash at Holbrook was the 2WG radio broadcast match of the round, and it proved to be another wonderful display by Holbrook winning by 34 points. It was a 20-goal turnaround from the fateful Round 7 visit to Colin Gully, and it gave Cornish and his men genuine belief that they were good enough to go all the way in 1970. The win secured a double chance, two rounds remaining, and kept a slender percentage lead of just under 1% over MCU for the minor premiership. Another 2WG broadcast game and another win for Holbrook in Round 17 bumping the Rock Yoron Creek at Yoron Creek by a whopping 105 points. Bertie Haynes talks about broadcaster Bert Smith and his post-match tricks. Tell us about Bert Smith, the 2WG commentator. He's a bit of a character. Yeah, he was a character, a terrific, you know, terrific communicator. And, you know, I'd like to do something like that here. It was, you know, it was terrific because uh, it was probably, you know, not... <laughs> Right off the top shelf, I suppose, in, in, in the early, well, 70s. I don't know when he started, Robbie, but he yeah. was you know, a great personality. Yeah, great personality. And he, yeah. he's always happy. And to they come. used to do the match of this, do the match of the day. Yeah. yeah. And uh, really good. And he was yeah. always uh, happy to come and have a beer afterwards? Yeah, he used to come and have a beer. And he used to sing. He could sing a bit too. And Brian Pryor could sing. They used to sing a few of those old ballads. And, and, and the night he uh, he stood on his head and drank the seven of beer, that was astounding. What on his head? <laughs> stood on his head in the bar down there where that old TAB used to be, <laughs> where that circle come around. 
He stood on his head on the bar and drank a seven. Now, gobsmacks. <laughs> but that is a true story. George Hill with eight golds and four edge to Bertie Haynes and Johnny Semler kept the grasshoppers just 3.1% ahead of MCU in the race for top position. Colin Gully full forward Kenny Morrow registered his century of golds this round when he booted eight against bottom place Lockhart. The final round pitted the four finals bound teams against each other with Holbrook securing the minor premiership with a 26 point win over North Wagga at Holbrook. The win, however, came at a huge cost, with Holbrook's leading goal kicker and enforcer, George Hill, breaking his leg that ruled him out for the remainder of the season and finals. Hill had been a massive part of the green and gold second half season dominance and had booted 53 goals until injured. Charlie Griffiths took out the first grade best and fairest, while Rover Peter Stewart won the seconds best and fairest. John Semler polled the most votes in the Baz medal with 14. North Wagga Rover Greg Hardy won his second straight Baz medal with 24 votes. Two ahead of Collingully Ruckman, Ronnie Murray. In week one of the finals, defending Premier's Collingully kept alive its hopes of defending its title by easily accounting for North Wagga by 42 points. Holbrook, after finishing fourth on the ladder, were eliminated in the seconds, losing to MCU by 44 points. Week two and second semi-final day, which pitted minor premiers Holbrook up against MCU, with both games during the season being close with a win apiece. Played before a huge crowd at Euron Creek, the game was an absolute cracker, with Holbrook overcoming a slow start to lead at half-time by three points. MCU kicked away in the third term and took a three-goal lead in the final quarter, with Dusty Maher and Cole Robinson dominating. But led by best on ground, Bertie Haynes, three goals, and Harry Winkler, four goals, the Grasshoppers slammed on five late last quarter goals to win 77 to 75. Holbrook showed great character and resilience to make it 10 straight wins and a spot in the 1970 Farrah Football League Grand Final, its first since 1964. The narrow loss rocked MCU, and a week later in the preliminary final, they suffered another heartbreaking loss, going down to Colin Gully by six points. MCU had lost the 1969 Grand Final to Colin Gully as well, but did have back-to-back Grand Final triumphs over the Colin Gully in 1966 and 67. A near record crowd which paid almost $1,890 at the gate in perfect spring conditions was stunned when Holbrook unleashed a blistering first quarter. The Grasshoppers slammed on eight goals to lead Colin Gully by 41 points and virtually put the game to bed after a quarter. The margin at one stage in the second term reached 52 points with the fresh legs of Holbrook stretching a tired and sore Colin Gully as halftime arrived with the margin back to 44 points. Colin Gully won the third quarter but only reduced the margin by seven points as Holbrook started the last quarter leading by 37 points. Both sides missed opportunities in the early stage of the final term before a brilliant passage of play by Holbrook sealed the game with a Dennis Lee's goal at the 14-minute mark, sending the Holbrook supporters into delirious delight. Uh, Haynes uh, looks as if he's a little bit uh, tired out there too. Tramp, I think, as uh, Chaplin puts it up towards the half-forward line. Murray's there, gets a hand to it, can't control it. John Heather picks up the crumb, puts it out to brother Greg Heather. He turns infield using his speed, beautifully puts it in towards the half-forward line. Then comes Waite, also uh, there, Guyton, 
Ball bounces over to Johnny Heavy, puts a beautiful stab pass down towards Pemler. Two nibbles at the cherry, just doesn't come off. Myers chips in, grabs it quickly. He's off like a rocket, puts it back towards the centre ground. Murray is down there. The ball bounces awkwardly for the big fellow. Cornish chips in, bashes it downfield. Butch Jenkins dies for it, can't control it. Curry keeps it in play as it's about to go over the line, knocks it back downfield, but Lenny Jenkins runs right across the face of the six, puts it towards the half-back line, Mitchell is there, also Ellis, Ellis as it is, ends up with the ball, ducks out of a tackle, gets it down towards the forward pocket, and there's Curry about to mark, spills it, good handball by Big Haynes, over to Dennis Lees, and he's put it through for full point. Well, there it is, the super victory from the Holbrook side as Lees has kicked their 17 goal 17-12, 114 to Colin Gully 9-16-70 and I'll guarantee George Hill down there on the sidelines full of mirth at this moment George Hill running the bench from the sidelines inserted both reserves 19th man Peter Lees and 20th man Simon Guest into the game as a weary Colin Gully knew they were beaten Celebrations started immediately on the siren with supporters carrying the players from the ground with bottles of champagne held high. And have a look at the Holbrook supporters racing onto the field. A great win by Holbrook, their first premiership in six years and a very deserved win indeed it was. This has been a great game. And look at John Cornish, he's got a bottle of champagne decked out in the green and gold colours and uh, being carried by Terry Pryor. Also, Caney, who's done a wonderful job. Well done. A very elated John Cornish before the TWG microphone. I also would like to add my congratulations, John. Your own effort was magnificent. I think the effort of your team was first class. You didn't have a passenger anywhere on the field. I'm sure Johnny took the, uh, you gave your reserves a run, but there was no one taken off because of lack of effort. John, congratulations and every good week. It was fitting that inspirational coach John Cornish was named best player after taking on the role only two months before the season started. Harry Winkler, Jock Curry, Cornish, Peter Johnson all kicked three goals, while Bert Haynes and Johnny Semler kicked two and Dennis Lees won. Giant Ruckman, Rick Murphy and David Ellis were outstanding, while fullback Brian Kane kept league's leading goal kicker Kenny Morrow goalless. The victory made it 11 straight wins for Holbrook after they were delicately placed at the halfway mark of the season with six wins and three losses. The celebrations were both long and joyous as a committed playing group and a passionate committee got the ultimate reward of a premiership. The final score in the game was Holbrook 17-16, 118, defeating Colin Gully 12-17, 89. The Holbrook team in 1970 was, from the back line, Peter Waite, Brian Kane, Warren Black, halfbacks, John Heather, Les Muller, Stephen Bunyan, centre line, Greg Heather, Charlie Griffith, David Ellis, half forward line, Peter Johnson, John Cornish, Barry Murray, forward line, Jock Curry, Bert Haynes, Dennis Lees, The Rucks, Rick Murphy, Harry Winkler, John Semler. The reserves were Simon Guest and Peter Lees, and missing through injury were George Hill, Max White, and Peter Horn.
I really hope you enjoyed that look back on a great time for the Holbrook Football Club, which was brought to you by the Holbrook Bakery, with their two locations in Holbrook. If you think you'd like your club, team or side's great sporting memory brought back to life, we would love to hear from you and create a timeless piece of history that lasts forever. Visit our website, yoursportmedia.com.